Welcome to the 26th episode of the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. On this episode, we discuss Hunter by Mercedes Lackey. Spoilers are between the 1 hour 8 and 1 hour 52 minute marks. We do get critical on this book for its two perfect protagonists and discuss how this setting was very exciting for us and we wish the author dug deeper into the background story of this world. We also talk about times we were nervous about trying new things or experiences and end a little bit tipsy with our usual segments. So with that, let's hear it. Well, Tasha and Russell, they both love reading books. Tasha and Russell, they both love reading books. Well, what do you do when you share such a love? Well, you start a club, you start a club, an adult book club, an adult book club, and a podcast. Welcome to the 26th episode of the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. I am Russell and she is Taja. Hi. Hi. Welcome everybody back to this edition of the episode. On today's episode, we are featuring Hunter by Mercedes Lackey. But Before we get into that and talk a little YA high fantasy, it has been two weeks. Taja, tell us what's been going on. Well, last weekend, I, or no, last podcast, excuse me, I was talking about getting to see our friend Nern, our podcast friend Nern. We met in Rutland and got to go to a vintage market and it was super fun. Um, and it's always a great time to shop with her and she's like the best shopping buddy. We are very good shopping partners. We do target trips a lot together (laughs) and yeah, we're like, it's perfect because you need somebody that can be like, no, you shouldn't buy that. Or yes, you definitely should buy that. That's key for a shopping, shopping buddy. Um, and I think we complement each other really well. So yeah, it was fun. It was a nice drive because we went like we left early in the morning. It's like equidistance. So it's about like two hours for each of us or so. And it was, yeah, it was lovely. I got to listen to my audio book for those two hours. It was good. I'm listening to um, the final book of the Expanse series. So that was fun. Nice. We are having like crazy hot weather here, probably everywhere. I mean, global warming. Yay. 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 I love spring. Like I love the equinoxes. I love fall. I love spring. I like those like medium, medium seasons. (laughs) And it's very disappointing that we just like leapfrogged right into summer. I mean, now the trees are starting to leaf out. I don't know if, I mean, you're not a TikTok person, but like if any of our listeners are TikTok people, I feel like the trees have done that thing where like the video, the set, the TikTok sound where usually it's like a dog's ears are held back and then it goes and pop out. I feel like that's what happened with the leaves. <laughs> I was actually leaves. just looking out my window today and I was like, man, it seems like the leaves just came out of nowhere like the last two days. Exactly. Minutes. Not, not it, I love it. No, yeah. it's great. I mean, I'm ready for green. So that's exciting. And we're going to like get prepped with our garden soon. And that's super, super exciting. My mom did a couple of seed starts for us and just got this like sick set up. Um, so we got some, some little baby plants to plant. Let's see what else. So I gave myself a haircut. I can't say I got a haircut. I'm pretty excited about it over because it like actually turned out decent. Um, so I did an undercut for those of you watching. And it, uh, it was a little touch and go. It was one of those moments where I was like, I want to do this. And then I did it with no help. Barry was downstairs, like running his little kiddo D&D game. And I was upstairs like, okay, 
I'm gonna get this done. I had a little compact mirror to like see the back and the bathroom mirror and I was using these clippers that like apparently should have changed the setting because it's a rule short. But I'm very pleased with the way it turned out and I didn't have to spend any money on it. And that was Too A plus. Yeah. Yeah. And then the biggest thing that happened to me is there was a freaking bear. There was a freaking bear. Bear in my yard. It was last weekend. Is that right? I don't even know when it was. Yeah, it was Sunday. It was Mother's Day. And I had, I was by myself at home with the dog, buried, gone out fiddlehead picking. Such a Vermont thing to do. That is Um, such a Vermont thing. Right? So he'd gone out to do that and the dog and I are on the front porch because it's a lovely day. We're just chilling. I think I was having a drink, a libation of some kind, reading a book, hanging out with the dog and she just starts losing her shit, barking like crazy. And there's just a bear like walking through the side yard, gives zero fucks about the dog barking. And so I like put her inside. Luckily, like on our front porch, it's like closed off and we have a little gate thing to keep her from going out in the lawn. Like she's basically a wuss. So I don't think she would have like run up to the bear, but I don't want to see what happens when that confrontation happens. So yeah, I put her in the house and I like went back inside or back through the house to the back porch. And it just like meandered through the lawn. Also at one point I totally thought I was taking a video and I was not (laughs) taking photos. I'm an idiot. Um, So don't know how to use my own technology. And then later I ended up taking a video which was great because then I sent it I sent an email to my neighbors because I could see the neighbors across the street had like two little kids they've got chickens they've got all sorts of prime bear things <laughs> and I was like hey guys there's a bear in my yard like just heads up because I know you're outside and it was walking up towards my other neighbor so I like messaged him too and then I sent the video that I took to my neighbor and I didn't realize because I didn't listen to it, but I was like in the video whispering, holy fucking shit. And I was like, okay, maybe don't show this to like kids or anything. So that was fun. And then like, of course I sent the video to or, um, Barry's dad and, and Barry, well, Barry sent it to him and was like, just ignore Taj's vulgarity there. Like, mm, well, what do you even, I mean, like, what would you say? That was a big there was fucking just, like, bear. That was a big fucking bear. It was huge. And it apparently, so like about a half hour before that, I got an email because I'm the, I'm the secretary of our rural road association. Speaking of Vermont. Um, Yeah, that is. Yeah. When you live on a private road, make sure when you're buying a house, you ask the question, is this a private road? And is there an association? Because in ours, our closing, we found out there were two different roads, two different associations, two different doll hair amounts, which was not cool. Anyway, I digress. So I'd gotten an email about a half hour before from like to the road association email from somebody on a different road in the neighborhood being like, there was just a bear, just heads up. Cause like, it's a beautiful day. Everyone's outside, bear gives your fucks. So I sent an email out after it wandered through my yard and then somebody else sent another email and had taken a picture from like probably their back deck or something. And it was like, it was, they were inside, but it was like the bear was, hundred yards away, like right by the house. It was so sketchy. Oh my God. And it was a big Yeah. Bear. It was a big bear. And then my neighbor across the street, the one I'd sent the vulgar video to without even realizing it, she's like from this area. So she's like super like I hunt and all this stuff. And she said she showed it to her dad and her dad was like, that's a male. I was like, I don't know how he told that, but I trust it. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whenever we see something, we always tell Amanda's dad because he's mm-hmm. been a hunter, farmer for mm-hmm. decades. He knows and shit. The, the one thing I always remember, and it's the, I zoomed in on your picture to check, the smaller the ears, the bigger the bear. Really? So the ears don't grow. So if the ears on the bear look big, it's a small bear. Cause it's, it's sometimes tough to tell, right? You're like, I don't know how this picture was taken or the distance or whatever. Yeah. Zoom in on that. And it's got smaller ears. That's a big fucking bear. And that's you had like, yourself a big fucking bear. That's a really interesting thing, Russell. I had no idea. Well, also, thank you, Fred. I don't know how, did Fred have any knowledge about how you tell if it's a male or female i've never asked no i I didn't know that was i i didn't know that was a thing i mean i don't know if it is i'm just gonna do this that's our that's like at the back end of our yard and it's where we have our strawberries planted and like barry got home because he wasn't home obviously he got home and he was like oh my god this is crazy we should go out there and like CSI this and see if we can see any footprints in the yard I mean like previously it had been so wet around there that it probably could have seen something but recently dry enough it's unfortunate but anyway that was like an exciting wildlife adventure that was I mean that that we used to talk about like rabbits or something we saw so yeah no bear come on people we live in the woods here huge well and that's the thing so like I had sent that email and all these other people had sent that email and like usually I do a blind carbon copy when I'm sending an email out to the whole association so people don't just like send emails willy-nilly and spam folks and one of my favoritest neighbors said sarcastically he's the worst emailed everybody was like yeah it's bear season and we live in the woods and I was like yeah I wasn't complaining about the bear I just wanted kids and animals to be safe yeah it, i mean how long have you guys lived there seven eight years and how many bears have you seen in your backyard that's one for the people listening one, on this sorry, yes. podcast. Bears. <laughs> so yeah that guy can uh, straight up go fuck himself like yeah just, sorry for being a helpful neighbor uh, right well and it's not like he does this every time he's just such a naysayer and i don't want to digress into that whole thing because i could go on forever about him but it was exciting and also terrifying and a really good story and I put it on my own Instagram so if you want to go see the bear that's where you can see it there you go I definitely should have went first this week because my story so this will be quick anyway I have made the mistake once again the same mistake I made years ago but this one is different and stupider I am improving my rock wall mm. so I built this quote unquote rock wall, which was really more of a rock stack, if we're going to be honest, because it was single layered rocks, you could see through it, but it did enough for what it was. And it falls down all the time. And I put it back up. And now it's I've been collecting rocks as I've done stuff around the yard. And I've built stacks, not stacks, but like, you know, places where I collect them. So I was like, okay, I need to need to get rid of some of these rocks. I need to improve the rock wall. This I bet I'll do really well. So I'm widening it. I'm building it up. All those rocks that I collected the last three years got me about 20 feet. I have 150 feet to go probably. Oh no, all that work. How tall is the, are you stacking? I'm going about to my knee. Okay, that's pretty decent height. Yeah, it's roughly about uh, a foot plus wide and about, I don't know, 18 inches-ish tall. So it looks super good, um, but I'm probably halfway there and I've spent 
probably seven days on it at this point and it sucks and now yeah I'm, that's like, like a har- lot of I'm, I'm once again here. i'm once again harvesting rocks from the land <laughs> so it takes much longer to uh, get a foot or so done so so you're a rock farmer i am a rock farmer which is a good thing about living in the granite state there's plenty of places to find them is that different than a rock lobster <laughs> Bum, 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 ba-da-da-dum. Anyway, <laughs> so once that is complete, I will uh, post some pictures on that. Yeah. And my only other story is I'm collecting trash. Oh, I have my haircut too. It is the haircut episode. Sorry, I did actually pay somebody to get to cut my hair, but I Looks also so good. got a bunch of it taken off, uh, but still have it long as I went around the sides with the undercut. So Super excited about it. It's so much lighter, so much cooler. Like oh, it's like perfect wise. for summer. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty pumped about that. My other story is that I am trash scavenging. So we are getting ready for camp. And oh. at camp this year, we will be doing an outdoor true American course. Oh my god. Which, if you don't know, the first rule of true American is the floor is lava, or in this case, the ground is lava. So I've been just driving around back roads trying to find wooden pieces or uh, logs or things like that that I can collect to bring to camp to set up this thing so and I went to the dump we have like a you know a a town whatever center where you can just leave some stuff and like every week it recycles out so I found some old furniture in there we could use it's it's tougher than it sounds because you really have to worry about the structural integrity of them so when we used to play this game I had these old eight foot ten foot uh, tables that we put up one leg and use as a slide and this is played in the basement typically not yeah, outdoors, not outdoors which is more exciting because now we can get yeah. bigger and everything i don't know we'll see how it goes but i set up that table and tried to go down at once and it just broke so there is oh a, no there is a structural need for these things so it's not like you can just grab whatever because any old thing you're trying to make it safe uh or i say you know you, you want people to fall into the quote-unquote lava so you can yell at them but uh, you want to make sure that people aren't. We also don't want people to hurt themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which we do enough on our own. So right, it's just great. Uh, it's a great way of putting it. Just trash scavenging because there was one table I picked up the first thing I picked up, and Amanda was like, "As soon as I saw that, I knew you were gonna stop and grab that." I, like, <laughs> I just drive around my truck, grab some trash. It's great. Yeah, the truck is, makes that very convenient. You know, it's. I have convenient. a rule, and then probably if you're like actually looking for things, this is different. But like, I have a rule if I've seen something that I like on the side of the road I won't pick it up the first time but if it's still there the second time I will grab it it's like it's a sign (laughs) it is meant for you I yeah that's fair that's fair Uh, because you don't want that spur of a moment thing to just leave you with garbage right like one time I picked up a tiny little mini fridge that was like fake wood paneled patterned whatever and I saw it as we were driving out of the area and was like I want that and Barry was like okay you know check it out when we come back drove back it was still there and it had a little post-it on it that says it works and I was like, it okay, did. done. Yeah, and I have not garage, taken that right? post-it yeah. off. That post-it <laughs> is still on it and will be on it forever. Nice. So things are getting exciting for us as the weather changes in spring and <laughs> yes. summer. So our little uh, five-minute recap has turned into something quite longer. But for those of you who have turned in, you avid Mercedes Lackey fans or just fans of the show, we will now transition over to the book, but not before we give you your bi-weekly reminder to follow us on Instagram and Twitter so you can see the bear, you can see the rock wall, you can see the books that we read or watch our reels and all that other stuff that we're supposed to promote the show through. 
Uh, it is at Adult Book Club 21. That is all one word, Adult Book Club 21. If you made it this far, you're probably listening to the whole show, folks. So you might as well follow us on one or all the socials. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But without further ado, we now move back to the book, which is once again, Hunter by Mercedes Lackey. So Hunter is the first book in the Hunter trilogy. I always love how these trilogies are named. It's always like, how did you come the up first with name that of the name? book? And I always feel like silly putting that in the run to, er, in the notes. Hunter is the first book in the <laughs> trilogy. But folks, I deal with what I have. I mean, you got to deal with what you got. Yeah. And it was released in 2015. Book two in the series is titled Elite. And it ends with the third book titled Apex. As we talked about at the end of last episode, in case you weren't here, Lackey has written over 140 books in her time as an author, which has averaged out to writing five and a half books per year throughout her career. Wow. Just insane. Uh, We did pick Hunter randomly because it was a trilogy. And like we said, the first one that we looked at was one of 46. That's too many. That's way too many. We thought we'd start with something with a smaller book count. More palatable. Exactly. So on that note, Taja, if you wouldn't mind reading the jacket, we'll get started. They came after the disarray. Some were terrors ripped from our collective imaginations, remnants of every mythology across the world. And some were like nothing anyone had ever dreamed up, even in their worst nightmares, monsters. Long ago, the barriers between our world and the other world were ripped open and it's taken centuries to bring back civilization in the wake of a catastrophe. Now the luckiest sits live in enclosed communities behind walls that keep them safe from hideous monsters fighting to break through. Others are not so lucky. To Joyu Charmond, who has been a hunter in her tight-knit mountain community since she was a child, every sit without magic deserves her protection from dangerous other-siders. Then she is called to Apex City, where the best hunters are kept to protect the most important people. Joy soon realizes that the city's powerful leaders care more about luring sits into false sense of security than protecting them. More and more monsters are getting through the barriers and the close calls are becoming too frequent to ignore. Yet the sits have no sense of how much danger they're in. To them, Joy and her core of fellow hunters are just action stars they watch on TV. When an act of sabotage against Joy takes an unbearable toll, she uncovers a terrifying conspiracy in the city. There is something much worse than the usual monsters infiltrating Apex, and it may be too late to stop them. It was interesting they mentioned the sabotage in there. I did not, again, it's funny with these books, we decide to read them and I don't actually read the jacket. No idea what I'm getting into. No, I mean, and I think, I don't know at what point I went and read the jacket, but it certainly wasn't before I started reading. And then at some point I was like, this is not what I expected. Let me go read that. (laughs) I read the back when I was trying to find something to put in the blurb about what we're doing. And I was like, well, that's just kind of an action scene. So it doesn't really give me anything. So then I always look in the book to see if there's any like this book you know praise or whatever None yeah of that just gets right into the book so i was like all right never mind we won't talk about that but we must talk about this book so we are going to start with our hero who thankfully goes by joy because joy you charm and i would definitely fumble over quite quite often i mean and is joy you even correct i don't have any sort that's, of like french background yeah that's how i was pronouncing it I okay no cool idea. But what did you think of Joy Charmin as we met her on the train taking her to Apex City? Well, let's say I didn't hate her. I didn't love her. I think we touched on this like before we started recording a little bit. But to me, she was the type of protagonist that 
I wasn't rolling my eyes or anything as she was doing her thing, but it felt like I could. Does that make sense? Like I appreciated that she clearly is talented. I like the idea of like somebody sort of raised in a, it felt very like Mr. Miyagi yep, kind of mountain, situation. Mountain setup, yeah. yeah, a mountain monastery, like literally. And the sort of like, not hard upbringing, but like not having all of the like civilization, what's the word I want? Quality things that are, make life easier. Like I imagine there's probably not a whole lot of like running water. You know, there's all this stuff that she, it's basically like mountain life, which I appreciate that she loved that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like that that was kind of, made up part of who she was as a person Um, yeah and she discusses how you know especially later on in the city she's like we have to worry about where our food is yeah we have to grow our food we have to do all this stuff whereas you're just like here's food i I push this button it's like it's like the comforts i guess but yeah i was trying to think of that word too yeah off there but it, it was like that where she talks about how great a hot shower is whereas back home it's like well we have to boil the water if we want it to be hot and all that yeah there's yeah definitely that hardship or harder life I guess that she's coming from for sure well and I and I think that that's sort of like what made me appreciate an aspect of her character and that like that was a plus you know like obviously I'm assuming anybody's gonna enjoy a hot shower if it's readily available and like it's not once she gets to Apex City it's not like she shuns hot showers but like I appreciate that she likes and misses those things about her life in the mountains I think that it was I don't know she's one of those characters that's like very clearly meant to be a YA demographic she I think could could be relatable to a kiddo if that makes sense I don't know I I guess I want to say again that I didn't love her I didn't hate her she was kind of just like the driving force and I don't think I had any kind of like I wasn't frustrated with her like I was with um I don't even remember her name from uh Ray Ray, thank you from yeah that's right right yeah right yeah (laughs) Um, from the Keeper of Night which was just like a frustrating character and like there were bits about the story in in this book that kind of was like I don't know, repetitive or whatever, but I think on the whole, Joy as a character was fun, I guess would be the most accurate statement. Like, I don't necessarily feel like I want to read a whole bunch about her, but you know what I mean? Like books, other books about her, but like, I didn't want to put it down because she was still fun. Yeah. And I think that's fair for me with her. I get it. She is coming out of the mountains. She is going to Apex City. They, the only thing she knows about this is like the weekly vid dumps that they get, mm. uh, basically giving them the news that they can get out in the mountains when they have enough electricity to run the video screens. So I understand this is a whole new world that she's being thrust into. And I understand the nerves that come with that. But what annoyed me was it just felt like kind of what you're saying. Like it was a typical YA hero. 
So she was shy. She was nervous. She felt like she was unproven, but yet somehow she's like top of her class. You know, it's like, I like Harry Potter. I don't know if I can do it, but also I can defeat like the, the fucking hardest magician. But I super can do seen. it. Yeah. Pretty, pretty easily, you know, and it's like, oh, with her right off the bat, we see on the train, they have the showdown with the folk mage and she's like so different, quote unquote, compared to all the other hunters that these uh, army people and on the train have dealt with where she's like, I'm just going to do this a little bit and you're going to like be the backup really. And they're like, whoa, she's so different. <laughs> it just, it That's was a, a little bit, come on, a little bit, come on. Yeah. No, and and I, to that point, I think that's like super, super accurate. Cause like she, it's like, she's meant to be thinking that she's not as good as she is, but also knowing that she's as good as she is. Because if I recall correctly, there was some aspect of like her life at the monastery where like she had been trained as a hunter for like much longer than she was supposed to have been. Otherwise she would have been sent to Apex City earlier. And like, so it's as though she has this self-doubt situation, but also like she was instructed to make it seem like she was less experienced than she was, which like is kind of a, <laughs> how can you have it both ways? You know what I mean? Yeah, it was an interesting uh, situation because for them, as soon as you're a hunter, or as soon as you're seen as a hunter, because basically your a power hunter, pop. yeah, your power pops, uh, you're supposed to be sent to Apex City, because that's where the hunters go to train, and, and yada, 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 and instead, she had been a hunter for years, probably, I think, seven, eight years, yeah, something like that, living in this monastery above the mountains in basically the Rocky Mountains somewhere, mm -hmm. and because of pressure in Apex City, her uncle, who is like, half in charge there yeah. yeah he sends for her he says we need to bring somebody in from the mountains otherwise they're going to go on a search and they're going to find you guys so you've got to keep the monastery secret and tell everyone that basically your power popped six months ago and like fit and the it. fact that Don't... you're so powerful and good yeah. at what you do no one yeah. questions it that everyone's like no it's fine that that makes total That's sense totally normal your power everyone just popped like it. a savant you know how to do these magic spells that no one's yeah. even thought about for sure it makes total sense total sense and as we've already started ragging on the main character <laughs> i want to pivot towards the setting uh because the one thing i found interesting was the base setting for this book because it's the first time i can remember reading a dystopian future taking place in once in what was once america and then mixing in high magic yeah it's, we've seen that obviously we've seen the U.S. be part of uh, dystopian future with like the Hunger Games or something like that. But to then add that idea of mages and dragons and basically ogres and kobolds and all this different stuff. Like, I feel like it was the first time I remember that. Can you think of anything really? I can't. I can't. I mean, the only, yeah, I feel like it's either one or the other. You know, like I'm thinking of the passage as like the dystopian kind of thing. And like, that's borderline like the mythology side of things ish with like vampire type things but then there's nothing that's like both oh, and then I was thinking um an unkindness of magicians as like the high magic side of things but there's never been like a combination of the two and I think that for me was like the big surprise of this book because I did not read the back before I started reading it and I thought because of the cover that it would just be straight up high fantasy with like dragons and stuff and like then when I read it, I was like, oh, wow, like, 
a dystopian future with like basically people's nightmares and mythology and stuff just like popping into existence is like kind of a cool concept and I was explaining it to Barry a little bit like trying to describe the setting and he was like well, that sounds pretty cool and I was like it is but also it's YA <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is one of those interesting things and we hear about this big the disarray the disarray this big event the disarray which basically is what cracked the world or whatever which allowed these high magic creatures other siders but also created the the magic started creating mages because before the disarray there weren't mages either so part of that magic squirreled in as well well i think that this is maybe like gonna be a it piggybacks on perhaps one of your next questions but that's something that the the concept of the setting was really cool but it also left me like frustrated that there was a lack of explanation like usually when there's some type of dystopian future setting you get a little bit more of the why I mean not not in every case sure but like I, that was something that I felt lacking because it felt like an unfinished concept. It was like, I just want this to be, so it is. And I'm not going to like talk about the logic of how it is, which was a little bit frustrating to me because like, how how is it that the hounds that are their cohorts and like help them also or other siders like are there other good other siders like do they not talk about those like is only evil things coming through and then the hounds which seems unrealistic <laughs> yeah absolutely it was one of those situations that getting back to how lackey writes five and a half books per <gasps> year on average i wonder if she sat down and wrote this trilogy all at once and then cut it up yeah. and sent it off. And it feels like that. We had touched on this a few times before we started recording where it's like, I don't know if you gave me enough to keep going on where I would have loved to learn more about the disarray. I would have loved mm-hmm. to learn more about the other side. Like yeah. we learn nothing about what's actually that whole Over world there. or whatever yeah. it is, that entity. We, we don't know anything about it. And it's just those things that we keep touching on and they talk about how the world ended this way and we see it with other characters talking about their past and where they come from and how much we fucked the earth up wow that hmm, good thing we're not doing that in real life oh yeah good thing Hmm. and it just seems like there was so much more there to get into yeah and yes it's YA but still I feel like if you don't give some of those answers if you're not giving the readers that kind of uh fulfillment yeah what's gonna make them around exactly yeah and again, with this book, it it wasn't a struggle to read it. It just no. didn't really dig into that next layer. I think, again, getting back to the setting where it's like, this is something I never even thought of. This is yeah. super cool. I yeah. want more of this and I'm not getting it. That was a little bit frustrating. It felt a little bit like, and maybe this was just like an aspect of the YA portion of it, but it felt very like instant gratification, like kids these days. <laughs> I'm so old are like I just want the the new thing and I I think I'm doing a poor job explaining this it felt like there was so much of the the current story that she needed to cover or whatever and maybe like I totally agree that she probably sat down and wrote all three and then divvied it up which is disappointing because then like there's no meat to it and there's not any of that sort of like satisfaction of 
history, that's not quite right, but like the, the backstory, the stuff that would like really help fulfill things and make it less about the instant gratification of the now. And going off that, I was trying to figure this out, <laughs> read a lot of trilogies or other things or sagas or whatever. And the beginning of this book, the first hundred pages, I think we spent on the train mm. and it felt like we we're getting towards the city. We we're dealing with Joy's nervousness and, and getting to know her a little bit, whatever. But it was just meant as an info dump. It was like the disarray happened. Well, I won't tell you what the disarray is, but basically it opened this thing and magic came out. Now we're magic, but also we have bad creatures and we have to defend ourselves from it. And like humanity almost got superiorly like fucking wiped off the earth, but we didn't. But you don't need oh, to yeah. know about that. We figured it out. Oh, but but then there's sits. Oh, but sits are like citizens. And like, we're all citizens, but we're not citizens because I'm a hunter, but that sit is a sit, is a sit, is a citizen, which is a sit, which is a citizen. So don't worry about that. It's a citizen is a sit. And now I'm going to Apex City, which is like a city on the coast, which was like, used to be, probably another city but it wasn't and then they like saved everybody but even the smart ones they were smart enough to take the smart people and then we're going to go to apex city and that's where we're going to like have our little library of things that the books we found because we've got to make sure we have the books and uh, but also the army's there but then we realized that the army can't do like what the government's doing so there has to be a government and an army and then hunters and then all this other and here's an info to, uh, and sits sits our citizens <laughs> So what I'm hearing is you didn't like that citizens are called sits. And that does bring up a point that I want to make. And like another reason why it felt very YA to me is that I said this before we started recording, but it felt like a little bit of a shortcut to have all of these things that were like, like a purse com, like a personal communication device and like all this stuff that was like truncated or like young people speak and I was saying before, and I think this is very valid, language changes, language evolves, and that totally makes sense. But I feel like it was it was very in your face and a little bit too heavy handed on how many terms they had for things like the, the Christians are now Christers or Christers or however you want to pronounce that. And like it felt to me like it was a bunch of really young people left alive and now everything's chonky boy and crunchy and we gotta get some scritches in and like all of these things where like language had evolved because it's I don't know not that it's easier but it's almost like they had all of these history books about the time before but all of the ones that were like real history with real words got destroyed and all the ones with like the things about the monsters that exist now because the other siders are coming over those are still around and totally fine and we're going to use their full names <laughs> and not shorten those well it's like rebuilding society uh after a collapse using tiktok instead of history books yes <laughs> that's what that's that just popped oh my god that's exactly what it is that is exactly what it is and it, it like again instead of videos oh there were vids like we're not even yes. really shortening it that much um, no. and the, the other thing that annoyed me were it, there would be times where they mispronounce things purposefully yeah like, well, the spelling would make you sound it out where it was yes. like i can't remember the words but i can't almost, either but i know exactly it almost sounded like about. maybe talk i think they might have even been italicized so you knew they were saying them that way and it was weird but it was one of those things that didn't happen often enough that it like made sense there weren't enough words that they used that made it make sense whereas 
it came up and it just kind of annoyed me. I was like, why are we doing that? We're not doing it all the time. So we shouldn't be doing that any of the time. And yeah, what I touched on before was it would be like the ruthless ladies got to wizardry with the what? If, if that only happened 10 times instead of 50. Making like, it a thing that that character does. It made it a thing, which was great. But if you're only doing it 10 times, it's kind of annoying. And it's 10 yeah. times with different words. You're just mixing no, it up. No, that's such a good point. It was, that was frustrating to me because, yes. again, and I think I'm being a little bit more crucial on this because you had such a great idea overall. You had Absolutely. Big setting. And then it just felt like we're not going to go into that. And we're going to add some like glitz and glitter here and there to try to like, I don't know, attract the youths. Maybe. I don't know. Well, and it felt very like, and, and maybe this is sort of a commentary on just like how, I guess, into gratification, but just like the, the nature of technology and like our lack of attention and all of that, but just like the whole that an entire population of sits can be distracted by real things because they're they're constantly following the videos that get put out and like how the hunters have little drone cameras following them everywhere and like it 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 felt a little too on the nose about like our society in general which i I borderline appreciated because like I love when shit like that gets called out I think it's really interesting but it very much felt like it was the youths. The youths. The yeah. youths. Yeah, I was definitely pinpointing that hero worship that we see nowadays. Yeah. But I feel like we still, well, I hope, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I hope people take a step back and realize that's not what life is really about. No use that to distract them, but we probably do. So yeah, we're probably, well, where there's probably, think, there's, I mean, there's probably dragons at the gates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I, I feel like we're, we're taking the turn to ragging on it. And I feel like part of that is warranted because there are certainly some things about it that are like frustrating, but I do want to just say that I was not physically eye rolling while I was reading this, which is like an improvement because there've been a few books where that's happened. And that's just not, that's not as fun. It's not fun to intake that stuff. There were certainly things that I was like, Hmm, kind of annoying but like I think conceptually and maybe this just shows in her writing style and that she is such a seasoned writer that I wasn't like I wasn't physically offended yeah and I, wa- <laughs> I wonder if this wasn't a podcast book what mm. that, what my lasting memory would have been because part of this is mm. I finished the book I write the run down and now I'm thinking about it and yeah. now now I'm picking it apart now I'm putting right. it up against the other books that we've read and now I'm reading the Goodread reviews. And yeah, like, I'm, yeah, I'm stumbling across Goodreads and I'm like, oh, that kind of opens an eye. But mm-hmm. if I hadn't done that, I probably would have just been like, okay, that was a book. That was a story. That was a, that was yeah. a, that was a pretty good story. A couple good ideas in there. Yeah. couple misses, whatever. Mm-hmm. Move on to the next one. But yeah. you know, we're going to sit here and talk about it for two hours. You're sitting there and you are picking it apart. And if you're not giving us more than that skin deep level, that's what we're going to pick apart. But- to bring it back to the positive, mm-hmm. I will say this. Uh, one thing I loved was the idea of the hounds, which as you touched on, were the other cider creatures who were allies to the hunters and formed packs with them. What did you think of them and how they were used to show different qualities in the hunters that they bonded with? 
super cool like as you know I love the dogs I can't point there it is um dogs are totally my jam and I just really I think it makes total sense too like dogs are men's best friend and all that stuff and I appreciated that that's like the form that they took Joy's obviously because she's so special are like totally different than everybody else's hounds but I did appreciate that there were so many variations like you know some hunters hounds like couldn't speak directly to them and like I think it was white knight right they had to like do all these charades <laughs> yeah 20 like, questions of charades yeah <laughs> which is kind of cool and like um joyous hounds are really extra super neat um because they can like transform and be all this stuff and like again felt like a shortcut of like I want my main character to be able to do so many things so like I'm just gonna fuck logic yeah and like part of me gets down on that because like why not you're creating this world and these people and that is totally your prerogative but like also I'm a very logical person and some of that was like Ooh. <laughs> a step too far here step too far. <laughs> yeah but I did like conceptually super cool going off what you were saying about how hers can like transform and do all this stuff I will say like with White Knight especially I love that he called his angels and his were able to fly like they had wings and they could fly and I wonder if that came from him like I, I wonder if they take on their personality a little bit because how does that work you yeah know? again another thing we didn't really get into no and like it was interesting because like before you said how she kind of like info dumps at you with things about like sits and the apex city and all this stuff and like she didn't really like she touches on the mandalas that are on the hunter's hands and how that kind of like appears when your magic pops and which is actually kind of cool but then like the hounds also are connected to the mandalas and it's like do the hounds choose you or what are they basing it on and and like you're saying are is there any sort of like bleed back with like I've chosen like these hounds chosen this hunter and this hunter is Christian and so he has this like angelic idea and so the hounds are like we're going to take that on like which came first the chicken or the egg (laughs) but I do I do love the like connection that they have with their hunter you know in terms of like I have chosen to work with this person. I think that's really cool. And she touches on it a lot uh, throughout the story where her alpha is Bia. Bia is what I've been, I was saying. B-Y-A, you guys sound it out. So that's her alpha. And he is in charge of the pack, but also that has that incredible relationship with her where like he comes from the other side to comfort her. And to be there for her and like knows her emotions enough to know that like he is needed as a shoulder to cry on or just for protection or or whatever when that's coming on. Whereas some of the other ones are just coming over because the reason they're allies is they feed off of the magical energy Mana. of the other siders that they're killing. So it's equally beneficial to them to hunt these creatures as well. To that end, or because you've mentioned that, I have a question. So Baya and her relationship is super cool and it's very much like an actual dog companion where they're very like empathetic, whatever. The fact that Baya can like pop over whenever he like senses that she needs him, but then she has to open the way for 
the pack like which is it does he have the ability to do it only in certain situations like it just felt very again sort of something that's like we're going to explain a lot of this other stuff that like maybe you don't need the explanation for but the thing that like would be helpful isn't explained <laughs> i do wonder if she explains that there's two different ways she can call them right she can just like force them through which is quicker, but uh, very painful for her. Or she can like take the time to make the glyphs and that creates mm-hmm. like the doorway, which is easier, but takes more time. I wonder if it's similar for the hounds where like maybe okay. he can just like bounce over, but it causes his, him more discomfort or maybe okay. costs him more mana. Whereas if he waits for her, maybe it's easier. So yeah, All right. again, that so is- he just like loves her so much. He pops over even though it's painful. I love him so much. I mean, I can get down on it. That's a definite thing a dog would do because they yeah. love you so much. So moving away from the hounds, we do, she does actually have relationships and friendships with real people. Real humans. So what did you think of her human allies as we got to meet them with uh, her first mentor, Carly, White Knight, who we've touched on a couple times, and then her uncle's personal Simon, is how I said it. Me too, which is nice. painful it's on so many painful. levels. It is P. Simon, so hopefully it's Simon, which is a psychic mind reader, which is a whole other kind of Simon. of humanity that came over when the disarray happened. Some people could do telepathy and read people's thoughts and all that stuff, uh, but his name is Josh. So what, I know it's like all this buildup for this mythical man creature. Josh. That's Josh. <laughs> uh, which granted, if he's the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, that's Josh Allen, and that is a mythical hey. Then that's when worlds collide. Anyway, what were your feelings towards these relationships? What did you think about how they were represented? Were you worried about anything? All the things here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so overall, I really liked the relationships that she sort of cultivated or whatever. Carly was super cool. I liked how their first meeting went because it seemed to me like Carly was expecting her to be a turnip. A turnip. A turnip that just fell off the cart, which they use way too many times. Because she's because you're from the country. She doesn't know anything. I don't know if you got to touch you're from the country. That's oh, where oh, is that is it and now the turnip it fell off the truck, it's down in the city. Okay. Because it's a turnip. Yeah. It was too much. Anyway, I appreciated that like Carly expected her to be something that she didn't end up being, which I just like sort of from the bat like I like a good girl mance it's not as good as bromance <laughs> <laughs> never thought of that romance, honestly yeah. yeah girlmance isn't a thing anyway i mean it is but it isn't i appreciated that it wasn't like a i don't want to say typical but so often you get the whole like ladies of equal stature have to be enemies kind of yeah. thing and i appreciated that that wasn't the case and carly was just really cool and White Knight I also really appreciated because he sort of was like paint like a picture was painted about him and about his people the Christians the Christers which is painful I don't I'm not a religious person but like that shortening really like bothered me and for those of you that didn't read the book the Christers basically were the people that believed in the um like the rapture the rapture right so they they thought this was they pronounced disarray a different way, which I tried to look up. I tried, it was said once and I couldn't find it in the book, but basically it meant God's wrath in their words. Yeah, it's like Gaius Irie. Yeah. Is how I was saying it. And basically they thought it was the rapture, but none of them got raptured. So they- They were all bitter. 
Yes, they're bitter as hell. And they kind of blame the others, the non-believers for that. The non, yeah. They kind of screwed it up for everybody. So the Christers, they're kind of salty towards people that aren't Christers. And And so like nobody gets along. Yeah. And you see that with White Knight where he like sits alone at lunch at first. uh, And and, like everyone is kind of like his friend keeping their distance. Like that guy's just kind of like the fanatic, whatever. But he's a good hunter. So he's here. It's fine. And like, I, yeah, I guess I appreciated that he was sort of the, the outsider of the hunter group, but that he, he wasn't a bad dude. And like at one point when they're like paired up together and they're hunting and like her hounds really like him and they're like, they're such a good judge of character. I mean, like solid point. Cause yes, dogs generally are. Um, but Bryce didn't like that bear. No, but I mean, probably still a good solid like judge of character. I don't, I don't know that I would like that bear either. Bryce is not a good gauge. <laughs> hounds, other cider hounds though, probably have a little bit more uh, magical intuition working in their favor nice. than my real dog. But I liked their relationship because it felt like it could have been some weird sort of like. I don't want to say love triangle, but something that like would have been a little bit too much. And I appreciate that she took it in like the big brother kind of side of things. Yeah, we weren't pushing like a Twilight situation where yeah. you have to be team Josh or team Mark is what we eventually find out White Knight's name is. And he, White Knight even tells her that he's got a girlfriend back home where he came from and all that. And they're like betrothed to be married. Like. Yes. And I appreciated that they stuck with that. And I hope yeah. they do moving forward. I don't know. I haven't read the books. But it was really nice to see because there were some moments that could have went sexy business uh, or flirtatious at least. And it still seemed very much where it was like appreciative friendship, kind of like, hey, we're looking out for each other situation. And we have this kind of uh, friendship. It's not anything sexual or anything like that. So I definitely appreciated that. When you were talking about Carly, I loved her. I absolutely loved her. She was such a badass. And you could tell oh, she yeah. was like the, almost the opposite of uh, Joy in some ways, where she had been in the city. She worked as like a lower tiered worker. And then just and then her, her, powers her powers really did just pop one day when she was older. And she talked about that too. It was a nice little uh, shout out to inclusion with the LGBT Q plus she had a wife that she had a wife and, yeah. and that relationship didn't work out because suddenly she was putting herself in danger and she became a rock star basically because in apex city if you're a hunter you're a rock star but it was still nice that there was only that if little, you're ranking only if you're rank or you're trending upwards yeah but it was nice to have that inclusion and i really liked that carly like it, it made sense too where she was like okay i thought you were a turnip you're not mm-hmm. as bad as i thought but also i see how badass you are and like i'm friendly with you but also there's that human element where she's like i'm also using this to my advantage because when i'm hunting with you my numbers are going up too so it, it wasn't like a full on using situation no. like she actually likes joy which is like she did but it also made it more realistic i think yeah totally i could see totally I could see how that would be part of it where it's like, okay, oh shit. Okay. You're pretty good. Oh, oh, she even said, she's like, I'm looking for an upgrade on my bathroom. (laughs) You know, if I'm trading higher, I can get a, I can get that upgrade this quarter or whatever. So I I really appreciated that. And then that brings us to our last one, which Josh, which 
as we meet him, we're very unsure of his motives. We're very unsure if we can trust him, but we know that her uncle trusts him. And again, her uncle is the prefect of the city, which basically means he's in control or he governs over the hunters who are not in the military. And he's kind and of police, like, right. He I, had, I thought he had some sort of like, I think he's like city defense maybe, but not government. Yeah, okay. That, that also wasn't, <laughs> there was a lot of layers of politics that were just discussed and not then just thrown out there as like, that's politics. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. but what? Right, right, talk about that. So like, I agree. I think there's like the military and like the army corps of engineers that build everything. She went on about that for a while about how like everybody. Somebody in her life must've been in the army corps. Yeah. They were like tip of the hat to you, sir or ma'am. But then, so there's like military defense and then there's the civilian defense, which I think is what her uncle is in charge of. And then I think there was another like civilian government as well. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. They said he was being pulled from two different sides at one point. So there had to be at least three players, right? Yeah. But yeah. I, anyway, we dive, divulge into things we don't know about because it wasn't in the book. But when we met Josh, we were unsure of his motives. And basically everything she was leaning on was, well, my uncle trusts him, so I should trust him, even though he can get in my brain and... We never touched on this, but she's got to think of her one white stone because the Simon can get in your brain. And she was basically doing this meditation thing where if she just thought of this one white stone, he couldn't see past anything else inside of her head and, and learn anything. And she would just mantra basically one white stone, one white stone, one white stone, one white stone over and over again. Uh, and she's fine. It's fine. As if he doesn't have any kind of way around that. Or <laughs> He's like, oh, look at this stone. I might just turn it over. <laughs> I have some thoughts that I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if they're spoilers, so I'm going to hang on to those. But like overall, I think her distrust or like maintaining a level of sus is good in this case because like obviously his powers are very dangerous risky whatever but overall like he seems pretty cool he doesn't seem like very obviously untrustworthy and her hounds like him so like it's fine and like at the one point when like they do a thing not the hounds josh and her and the white knight there's like a a inner circle kind of thing that happens which like kind of proves that he's trustworthy so like that I think goes a long way I have a big 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 but that I'm going to share during spoilers for that but overall like I I didn't hate him I mean I didn't hate it like the whole relationship between the two of them it was definitely like fairy YA and the whole like we're going on a date and I'm going to spend an entire day getting ready for it. designed and made up and ready and whatever but I also appreciated that it wasn't like shoved down your throat in in either respect I know we've read some books where like you get the sort of one-sided I like them do I like them I don't think I, I think I like them I don't know if I like I don't know if they like me and it was it's like too heavy on that and I think like she did a good job being succinct with that so that it wasn't too all-consuming which like would have ruined it for me and I think it was nice where when she was on her job when she was being a hunter she wasn't pining for Josh mm-hmm. and I think that's the big difference and and 
we were trying to figure it out before, maybe the difference between that and Keeper of Night. And I think that is part of it. When her eye was on the prize or doing the job, that's all she was focused on. And it wasn't until like Josh reached out to her or she knew she was going on the date, whatever, that it kind of became like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do, blah, 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 all this stuff. Whereas with Ray and Keeper of the Night, she was just like, we're doing this really important thing and trying to catch this Shinigami. Oh, he touched my leg. I'm in love. So I think that was part of it where that saved the eye rolls where it was like, okay, when she's here, she's doing this. She's, she's doing yeah, that. She's fully right. focused. And when yeah. she's dealing with Josh, she's dealing with Josh. So. And then even like at one point she like goes through some trauma and you know, Josh is like reaching out and she's like, no, thank you right now. Right. And like, I appreciate that she didn't just like fold and like become not, not, not herself, but like, do something that would be very like contrary to her character i guess yeah. and be like i'm a lovesick teenager <laughs> here i am look at my <laughs> face small bruce and i got twigs in my hair but you wanted to see my face so ha! <laughs> um yeah i did appreciate that i'm sure we'll get more into it in spoilers but before we get there we have our get to know your podcasters moment so we read all of Joy's hesitation and nerves throughout the beginning of the book, basically the first hundred pages uh, while she's on the train uh, and is leaving the only life she knows in the mountains for the one of uncertainty and new pressure in Apex City. What have been some of your experiences when trying something new or starting a new chapter in your life? Maybe a job, school, friend group, anything uh, pop into mind that may be funny that you can tell us oh, about? Funny, I don't know. Funny, um, tough experience, all the emotions, whatever you want to go with. I mean, the only thing that's like really leaping out at me is um, when I did my study abroad in college, um, I did a semester in Australia and obviously like the furthest I'd been away from home for the longest amount of time I've been away from home. I mean, I went to college like one state over from my home state. So like, it's a solid two and a half hours. Two and a half hours, NBD. But I also was very much like an only child. So I was like, let's get super far away. I've also been like obsessed with Australia for like ever. So it was like very, not important to me, but important to me to like experience that. And I think the like biggest takeaway, I mean, obviously it was scary because like going away, staying away from home that long, I think, especially at that like informative age in your college years when like you think you know everything, but really you don't know shit was intense and like it was probably the first time I'd really been like on my own on my own like I had you know there were a couple of other people from KSC that had gone to the same program and the same school and I think we were living in the same dorm or college and so I had like a little bit of a comfort zone but I definitely had to step out I don't want to say I'm not an introvert. I don't think I can classify myself as that, but like, I'm definitely not super outgoing. So it was like a lot to be on my own and not be totally on, I don't know. Like, I guess my best example of this would be like freshman year at Keene State. I like lived in the tiniest freaking dorm, Fisk, and it was so small. <laughs> And I, this is where I met Lee actually. Anyway, I was the type of person that like, I wouldn't have made friends if people didn't come to me. Yeah. Like I'd leave my door open, you know, like as is the thing to do, but like, I wasn't going to go venture to somewhere else. And I think going abroad to Australia made me like be the person that did the 
the stepping out yeah. um, and the introducing myself and all of that. And the one big takeaway I had from that entire experience, I think, was just to like do the thing. If you have an option or an experience in front of you that you can do, do it. Yeah. Because I don't like it sucks to regret not taking uh, and it doesn't even have to be a leap it could be a step <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. I I think that was that's my biggest takeaway from that whole experience is just to like do the thing that is in front of you if you want to do it because later on if you don't do it you'll wish you had and that sucks yeah and you always think you have time to do it but like but you yeah. So suddenly all this stuff, different stuff happens and you're like, I just don't have, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And I like, uh, that's something that I've carried with me since then too. Like um, Barry and I went on a cruise five years ago or something. And we did this excursion where we went and like swam with stingrays or whatever. And I was like holding one and I was like, Barry should do this. He's like, I don't think I want to. And I was like, you need to, because like, when are we going to be here? I wish I'd done that. Yeah. And he did it and obviously he loved it. And there's, he went to Mongolia and like had this opportunity to do a thing and didn't do it. And now he regrets it. And I was like, if I'd been there, I would have told you to fucking do it. Yeah. But that's the thing I think you have to like, you have to experience for yourself. You know, you have to like get to that point where it's either happened enough times or you've like done it and experienced the thing and been like, yes, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, for me, I have quite a few. Uh, one of you <laughs> just reminded me of one. So uh, we'll go chronological, if you will. Ooh. I will say I was the kid who probably until middle school and maybe even in sixth grade, first day of school, I cried. Oh. I, I didn't like going into this class where it was a bunch of people that I didn't know or didn't remember. Like I was very, we talked about Whaley. I mean, my best friend was a doorstop. So I did not have friends. So I would spend those two and a half months or whatever at home and be comfortable with our neighborhood, which were a bunch of kids older than me. And then I'd go to school and I would cry getting on the bus. I would cry going into the classroom. I was just a mess. I changed schools when I was in third grade. We moved towns. I cried in the middle of that. They were like, this is Russ. And I'm just crying. Like, this is great. Hey, I'm that kid. Uh, and I think I eventually got over it maybe by sixth grade, but I'm not <laughs> sure about that. Another interesting one, just you bringing up KSC reminded me of, I didn't think of this, but. I, for my semester and a half that I went to college, I did sociology and our teacher was super awesome. She was a super cool lady. She was like, you need to get to know the people around you. So like introduce yourself to the people around you. And the kid sitting directly behind me, his name was Sean Sullivan. And I was like, dude, my best friend or one of my best friends, don't take offense guys. One of my best friends name is Sean Sullivan. Like, holy He's shit. Got a lot of best friends. Fast forward three or four years later, we opened Cobblestone and who walks in the door, but Sean Sullivan. And I'm the like, second Sean Sullivan. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm a beer. I was like, Hey man, your name's Sean Sullivan. He looked at me like I was fucking crazy. And I was like, here's the oh, thing. Oh no, We know each other. It's here's fine. the thing. I was in your sociology class three years ago. And I know that because one of my best friend's name is Sean Sullivan. You introduced yourself. You're Sean Sullivan. This beer's on me. Have a great day. He was day. like, I don't remember you. He friended me on Facebook. So hey. it's on you. Uh, but it was just one of those moments I can, you know, people did that to me afterwards with the bar where they're like, Hey Russ. And I was like, I have no idea who that person is. So I'm sure that was terrifying for him. But the one that brings it back to where we're headed soon is, I don't know if you remember my first time at camp. So it was year three for you guys. It was year one for me. And I showed up to spring fling 
which was which the, is yeah, like the best ever the event of the year and there's there was more than it was like 20 25 people it was ridiculous and i showed up midday on saturday oh with amanda, with amanda who i'd been dating for a month who was sick <laughs> that was the year she had her kidney infection oh no so she was like medical tent just hanging out. And I was just thrust into this group of people that I didn't know. And the first thing you guys did was you all had your cool badges on. You handed me a badge that said visitor. (sighs) You were so mean. That was my introduction to camp. And uh, I stayed for like four hours. And then I was like, oh, that was nice. I'm going to go. This is very scary and we are historically not great with outsiders and to be fair i have become historically not great with outsiders so it just we get indoctrinated and it just happens but i do remember shout out neil neil took his badge and put a visitor badge on the back side of it and said i'll be a visitor with you too so it was the only one who made me feel at home but Um. it was it was funny I'm, because back then we did like a couple parties a year. It wasn't much. So I remember, and no. I was working the bar, so I didn't have the time off that I, that I did. So I wasn't coming to everything. So I remember like the next camp was kind of, I stayed overnight and it was like, yeah. that was when I kind of got to know people better, but it was such a, it's anything. You walk into a group of people who know each other. You know each other for, yeah. Well, even for you guys, that was only three years since the groups collided, but you still had your pockets. Well, I was going to say like the two, so like, I think it bears mentioning for our listeners that the weird family is like this amalgamation of of groups that like have known each other some since high school and then some since college and it's just like melded together and so for an outsider to come in it's like really daunting I can only imagine and I'm very very curious if you have any recollection of your first impressions of people not that you can I even just say mine. <laughs> no, no I mean you can just tell me of mine like that's oh all. no I really I really don't I remember being very intimidated for a lot of different reasons and you guys were like a lot of people my first my first night that I stayed we should talk about this off camera but the first night I stayed was Gaga Ball so if you remember Gaga Ball oh. like just the, the outfits and everything that happened it was so insane and that was like the third time I had met most of you yeah. so and it's funny though because like I said now I you know I I look back on when you're ben, one of us <laughs> shout out then when Ben yeah. came into the group I wasn't great and when other people have come into the group I maybe am more standoffish than I need to be so I'm working on it this is me. First, you realize there's a problem. And then secondly, you work on it. So the you next, next person, I will probably still be a dick to. I mean, <laughs> I just like, I can't even imagine being on the other end of things because like, it's just so like the sheer quantity of people that are involved and the weird shit that we do. I don't want the listeners to interpret that like we're swingers because we are not. But people think we are. But people think we are. But we're not. But we're not. I feel like that's not at all convincing. <laughs> Believe us, we're not. We're not. But I'm I'm impressed when and if, because there have been a few that have not, when people are thrust into that environment and stick around. 
and then become one of us. It would be, uh, maybe, maybe we should start a support group where we all just talk about our first times, you know, <laughs> first times <laughs> with amazing. the weird family. Again, to be fair though, like I also have such a shitty memory that like I would be hard pressed to come up with like my recollections of even like the first. I like last year. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be tough. Yeah. Oh, last year was easy because it was so fucking. Because it rained. Miserable. <laughs> but anyway, we, we digress once more. So on that note, now that you know that we're not swingers, definitely we're not. not swingers. Thank you for asking. We are going to move into spoilers. Before we do that, we have our song. This is the pot where we're going into spoilers. If you don't know the book, get out. Because this is the part where we're going into spoilers. It's time to learn what the story's all about. Spoiler. Joy is able to ingratiate herself into life as a hunter in Apex City. She is tested multiple times early on, including one hunt that leaves her first mentor, Carly, injured for a couple of weeks. Once Carly goes down, she is given over to White Knight to continue her training. And it is during this time that she notices that Apex City is not as safe and secure as the government wants the citizens, or sits, to believe. She also learns the other side of Hunter's life that is expected of her when it comes to being seen in public and meeting fans face-to-face and trending upwards. White Knight compares the Hunters to sports stars of the previous world, or gladiators. It is also during this time that the amount and type of other siders that are getting through the city's defenses has increased, and both Joy and Knight have a couple close calls with some big bad creatures. This culminates when they find a nest of gazers, a very dangerous psychic-powered creature, and the government decides to send a raid of hunters to take care of it. During the raid, the brother of Joy's biggest rival, a hunter named Ace, is killed, and even though it was not her fault, Ace blames Joy for his death. After the raid, there appears to be a glitch in the scheduling system which is trying to put Joy in Carly's territory. They are told to just ignore it and go to their own territories as previously scheduled. On the second day of this, Carly is killed by a vampire, and though Joy gets there in time to kill it, she is unable to save Carly. After thinking on it, Joy realizes that the vampire could not have gotten past the defenses on its own, and someone must have brought it there intending to kill her. If not for them ignoring the schedule, she most likely would be dead. When she brings us up to White Knight, he and Josh decide that someone is definitely after Joy and is trying to kill her or use her as leverage against her uncle, who is in charge of the Hunters of Apex City. They decide that the best way to keep her safe is for her to try out for the elite Hunters. Once she is there, she will be one of just over a dozen and will be untouchable to those who wish her uncle or her harm. Joy decides to go for it, and she goes through the trials, which go according to plan until the final test, which is a battle of magic against Ace, who has volunteered for this battle. Joy is on high alert as she can tell from his face that Ace means to kill her. The two duel, and Joy seems to have the upper hand until someone from the stands casts a bright magic light to blind her. As she is distracted, Ace pulls out a laser and fires it at her, but Joy is saved at the last minute as one of Ace's hounds jumps in front of the shot. The trial ends and Joy is named the 15th Hunter Elite of Apex City. Round of applause, Joy. Round of applause. Good job, Joy. Nobody is surprised. We didn't know you could do it. Nope. No clue. Before we get into that, though, Joy is expected to be a rock star, basically, and show everyone in Apex City that all is well. What did you make of this deception that the Hunters played such a huge role in? Kind of mixed messages. 
on the one hand, very self-serving that they're like, I'm a rock star and I'm going to get all of the upgrades to my bathroom. And like, it makes it not about the protecting and about the being an ace and being like a pretty boy that does all the things and having all the fans and they do literally it's called fan service and they go to a bar and they sign autographs and shit it's weird and then the other message is like they're supposed to be keeping people safe this was something that i thought was interesting about joy and about like her interactions with people like right at the beginning when she got to the hunter HQ and she goes through some interview type things and she like said something like I'm really here to protect people and people you mean that don't you and it's like well then why are you why do you have all these hunters that like borderline don't not that they don't want to do the job but they're not doing the job that you need them to do for the reason that you need them to do it like you've turned it into this thing that makes it less important but also more like the thing about it that they find important is not the thing that is important. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it was one of my additional spoilers I want to make sure we touched on. Glad we touched on it on the first one. The mm-hmm. sounding board of, you really mean that, don't you? It came up over and over again as Joy was talking about how much she really wanted to help and how it was a hunter's job to protect the citizens and how that was, that was the reason why she was here, why she got called to Apex City, because she needs to protect them. And over and over again, you really mean that, don't you? You really mean that, don't and you? everyone's surprised. But you see it from the others and especially Ace, like she even touches on that, how he is basically like he trended to number one and he's staying there because he's the pretty boy who goes to all these, uh, goes to these, yeah, coasts and he goes to these dances and he gets seen in public and people just want to like, they dress in his colors because every hunter has a specific three colors that they wear and they just try to emulate him every way that they can. And it's just they are they are that fashion icon uh, sports star hollywood star all kind of combined into one where these people are they i think white knight says it at one point he says well if they're at home watching their vid screens watching our channels because each hunter has their own channel then they're, they're as not outside as possibly be. yeah exactly which like i guess holds a little bit of like logical merit you know from a if people aren't outside they're not going to get picked off by some other cider but like to make your populate I mean it happens in the real world but to like dumb your population down enough so that they're constantly watching TikTok not that I have nobody does that nobody has that problem (laughs) but um it's not surprising that they need people to protect them when nobody's given them any indication that their A is even a problem or B how to deal with it on their own. And I think like that's something that's interesting about Joy's sort of upbringing at the monastery or in the mountains or whatever is that like they don't have the creature comforts that the city has. And so they're having to, even before people's powers pop or if they even don't and they're like non-magical folks that they have protection abilities because they know how to use a gun or whatever or protect themselves and I feel like when you have a population that is just like embedded in ignorance maybe that's not a good thing but I think at at one point they talk about how like it's kind of important to keep them placid 
I guess, and like dumbed down to a certain extent because otherwise there would be like mass craziness, which is also logical. <laughs> yeah, basically they said they'd rather them think that they're absolutely safe than have them be so worried that they're not safe, that they're causing riots and uprisings and all that other stuff that are gonna cause other issues. So they would rather they have this kind of fake sense of security and right. they, they think the best way of doing that is having the hunters basically shown as these gladiators that are going to save them no matter what. And they touch on that with the videos because they're being videoed all the time. And there's a bunch of groups online that are basically dissecting videos saying like, oh, this is fake or, oh, they manipulated that, blah, blah, blah. But they're never actually getting it right that the things they're manipulating is if something is happening within the barriers, they manipulate it so it looks like it's not happening within the barriers. If like her face off at the beginning with a folk mage, you know, the folk are this whole other people, this whole other group of other siders who are super smart, super magical, and can like bring groups together and are like the most misplaced fear. And the, the, the normal citizen doesn't even know about those because the government's like, no, they don't need to know about that. Let's just keep them thinking they're all dumb, like the ogres or whatever, that, you know, they can't plan something bigger against us at any point. So, well, I do get it. I think it did open up again, like we talked about before, all those questions about what's really happening here? What's going on with the defenses? Why are these things getting past the barriers? Is somebody helping them on the inside? Or is this the folk mages or whatever doing all that stuff? They talk about the political struggle over and over again, but they don't actually talk about the political struggle. They they say literally the words political yeah. struggle. <laughs> that's it. So there's that was the thing that I was like, okay, but why? Yes, you're telling me it placates the masses, but why? But why? But why? What is actually happening here? And we did not get that. So and I feel like I totally agree, but I also feel like it was a little bit painfully on the nose in terms of like. And I am not a conspiracy theorist. Let me just like put that right out there. But there's a certain aspect or level to this situation in this book that like plays into that for me. Like the government is showing, and this is very, very much on point with like the whole Russia-Ukraine situation happening right now and how like people in Russia, like it's all state media. And I feel like that's what happens in this book. Like the regular people don't really know what's going on because they've been spoon fed certain information. And so like, there's no way for the regular citizens of Apex City to like have any idea when everything's edited a certain way. And it's just like, it's, a, it's like painfully realistic because this stuff happens <laughs> in, in our world without other siders. We'd now like to welcome back the Russian populace who listened to the show that had that last 30 seconds blanked out for some reason. No, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let this podcast into Russia. Yeah, they don't read books there. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows what they have available to, what kind of media they can consume, but, but it's probably true. not our podcast. <laughs> but it's true what you were saying. And again, this is something that was published seven years ago. So you know, right. that, was, that was happening then, but that I wasn't aware of it for sure. Like definitely the war with Ukraine has opened that up where it's like the things you hear about what those people hear and think, you're like, how can you hear and think that in this day and age? But there are it's still- It's totally different for us. Yeah, there is still that government that controls the message that much that really levels it down to that level for you, I guess. That was a terrible way of putting it on <laughs> words there. But it's it is- It's very limiting. I mean, you can't, 
you can't expect to have a full picture if what you're capable of consuming is not something from both sides like we i think as americans take for granted the whole free free speech situation that like doesn't exist in a lot of other places apex city for one of them i shouldn't say that there's probably like free speech and there's a there's a a truther hunter vid site yeah (laughs) they don't want you to know they're like breaking it down they're like you see this building this building is with inside the primal barrier i I have to believe that there's a faction of, of sits in Apex City that are conspiracy theorists and are onto things. And I bet those are those are the people that 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 shot at her. And she was all pissed off because they were wasting their effort shooting at the hunters instead of the other siders. And that like, was- I mean, that's a fair point, but also like when they're like the government. Rah! It's I like, can dude, only imagine they would go after the people. But we're that here to actually like help you. We're here. We're yeah. here clearing out those things that are causing you issues. That was another thing How that about- wasn't really explained well. It was just like, no. we're going to have this weird face off. And we're going to show that Knight and Joy are good people because they're going to fake these guys' death with. Yeah. And let them go. Not kill them. That was ridiculous. Uh, but also like she does mention it at one point, like we should be working together against these things not you against us or us against you like what a waste of resources but conspiracy theorists on the whole probably not most logical folks and we now apologize for that one conspiracy theorist that used to listen to this podcast (laughs) moving on a character we didn't touch on before spoilers because what were we going to talk about before spoilers right uh and that is ace so we see joy's relationship with ace run the gamut where at first she tries to placate him then she calls him out for not pulling his weight. And then we see the confrontation after his brother Paul's is killed. What did you think of how that all played out? And overall, what did you think of Ace as our quote unquote bad guy? Not convincing. Not convincing is the perfect descriptor. Can so- I pause you there? I'm really wondering if you saw my notes, even though I don't send you my notes part, because that was my first thing. Not <laughs> convincing. And then no. multiple times. We're just clinking. We are. I mean, we're basically the same person. So I feel like it was frustrating because they, the like lead up to Ace and like, you know, I think even before she like fully got to Apex City, there was sort of like a preemptive, he's going to be your rival scenario because like, oh, you're the new game in town and he's the biggest and bestest and like, you're going to be a problem. And then of course she was a problem, but also wasn't a problem. And she kind of diffused a few situations, which I was like, oh, that's cool. Like maybe it won't end up being the typical, like, I don't know, antithetical relationship. Typical situation where he's threatened a woman and feels the need to push her out like a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. No, but then like I was disappointed on a few levels. One being that he like had all this presumed hatred for her, but then she had diffused things. And so the hatred kind of like didn't really make any sense. And the whole like, I'm blaming you for my brother's death. And there was just like a lot about the the rivalry that left me wanting. I also feel like he was just the easy way out. He was the easy bad guy. And it was like, here's this person who's kind of like the opposite of joy in that like, he doesn't really care about 
the sits or protecting them or whatever. He cares about popularity. And he's like, really not even that good of a hunter, but wait, maybe he is because how could he have gotten all this way up to his status if he wasn't a good hunter? And like, he's this fantastic mage who's going to battle her in the apex trials. And like, not necessarily conflicting messaging, but like a little bit of that. What is he really? The thing that really frustrated me was she gave him time, a chance and chance again to yeah. like her. Yeah. Where she diffuses the situation at the beginning where, you know, he calls her out like, oh, how'd you know how to beat that folk mage? Even though nobody else saw the real, saw the real vid, we did. And we know it was folk mage, not an ogre or whatever it was that they said it was. And she's like, oh, let me show you this spell. And she does. It shows him this little trick that she learned, whatever. And then later on when he shows up in the cafeteria and they're talking, I think after she calls him out, she's like, Hey man, you're not pulling your fucking weight, figure it out. Like you're skating here, blah, blah, blah. And then he has a great day. He like gets a vamp, gets a couple gazers, gets whatever. And she's like, dude, great day. You know, again, building up that camaraderie or whatever. And then the not being that, a total douche. Yeah. And then the, and he's like, sits close enough to her. So he doesn't participate in the conversation, but he can like overhear it. She's obviously not talking shit about him. And then Paul's dies, right? And like every, and the the way she describes it, he's an idiot and he like runs after this gazer, gets his mind basically melted out of his ears and bleeds death and goes crazy and dies, right? And then I get in the moment Ace going after her because it was her job to contain that. To hold that grudge. But it doesn't make any sense because going back to how he knew the real video, she was facing a mage, a folk mage in Seven Ogre. He would have seen the video that they all saw where it showed that this. The nothing bull, got out the bull came, of the a- came up from a wall like was yeah. underneath this mess she had no control over it so that part didn't make sense and then if you want to double down on not making sense he was being watched 24 7 they said you know by the vids uh and by the other hunters because of his grief for his brother's death why would they be like oh yeah ace volunteered to do the magic fight i bet he doesn't hold a grudge Let's just do that. That part was the one that kind of sealed the deal where I was like, that literally doesn't make sense. I have some theories. Go on. So earlier, I wanted to bring this up when we were talking about Josh. And I think, and I'm like not excited about necessarily reading the other two books, but like part of me wants to just to see if like my suspicions are correct. But to your point about it not making sense that Ace is like, I fucking hate this bitch, even though there's borderline no reason to. It's said a few times that Simon, Simon, can control minds and make people do things. What if he's under control of a Simon? What if that Simon is Josh? And what if her uncle is really actually a bad guy? And they're all not necessarily in cahoots because Ace is being used as a pawn. But what if it's like something that deep and sinister? Boom. My second note said definitely manipulated. So yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm um, in your notes. <laughs> I, I would I would agree with most of it except her uncle's side of it. I do believe her uncle is on her side. I hope. What if he's just a really good player? He could be. He could be. I mean, his his obviously his position of power is being contested and challenged by mm-hmm. others. So maybe you're right. Maybe there is part of that. Why would Josh be working separate of him when he has such like a obvious love and trust of her uncle? So hey, you could really be onto something here. I say so. I like I I have that theory, but I also don't know that I fully believe it myself because like there's a few things that have been said like 
you know, we mentioned it before how a couple of people were like, oh, you really mean that, you know, to Joy about things she said and how people have like, I think there was like um, one of the Fox News derivatives that interviewed her before the Apex trial. Sorry, you don't remember Gail Pierce? Come yeah, on. sorry, her name escaped me. She had said, she she asked some question of her and Joy answers. And then she was sort of like, wow, you're, you're so much like your uncle. And like, that made me think that the uncle really is similar to Joy, like actually a really good person and just like a good person in a world like this, especially in Apex City, where like a lot of things are not done for genuine reasons, more so as like, uh, I need to extend my own reach or get to a better position or what have you. So to be a genuine person in this environment is like abnormal. And to have them call out a few times that she's kind of different in that regard and very much like her uncle leads me to believe that he's probably not evil. And I would like to think that because I did like their relationship was really cute. Like when they met and he was like shoulder tip tapping that language that they do, which seems fucking unrealistic. Like, whoa, yeah, like I'm speaking all these words. Is it Morse code? Like what? Um, But like, I guess my theory doesn't have a lot of logical basis i just think that it would be a fun twist to have it be like totally opposite of what the thing i would use to shoot holes in that is what we've been talking about with the other characters where like the feeling you have for them is what they are yes we haven't seen that twist like ace was obviously the bad guy uh carly well a little tough to you know whatever had some like uh reservations about her immediately was like great her night brother sister none of that romance level whatever like i don't think there's enough manipulation in the story for that kind of thought like we're doing again uh, or you're doing now what i was doing with uh the the mother from ladies yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. ladies got wizardry where i was like she's definitely the worst and it said she was just grieving her daughter's death i think the uncle's just a great guy and you're like there can't be great men in this world <laughs> Well, and I mean, to that, to that point, which I think is extremely valid and you're right that like, it is a YA novel. They're not going to be like, apropos of nothing, everything you thought is incorrect. Everything's <laughs> like, a lie. No. Yeah. That's not going to happen. That's like Harlan Coben shit in here. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't think the writing was uh, equal to Harlan Coben there. Not with the twists. Not with the twists. Moving on towards the end, what did you think of the elite trials as Joy is going through them? And the elite trials were four different trials, basically physical challenge, hand-to-hand combat, physical challenge, magical combat. American Ninja Warrior! That's what I thought. (laughs) That is what I thought. Um, Like the whole time. It felt very American Ninja Warrior. And also just like, this I don't want to say it was a big lead up because like the sort of last third of the book felt very rushed like wham bam thank you ma'am I'm done and I'm the best it did seem like I got two more hounds she even said it she was like it turned out much more simpler than I thought to apply I just said I wanted to do it I just said said, I want to do it yeah just like the the YA vibes are just like so strong and like again I did not roll my eyes while reading this it was all of these like sort of negative thoughts are all in retrospect not in the moment which I think is good 
Yeah, I, I agree. Again, I think if we weren't pulling it apart for the show, we probably wouldn't have touched on any of these things. We, we mm-hmm. probably would have recommended it to each other. Oh, check mm-hmm. out this book. It was a fun little book. It's fun. It's fun. Yep, there it is. But yeah, like the trial itself, I found it interesting because the whole time, you know, she's like, some of these could be live rounds. They could be live rounds. I think my pack got a live round. And like, again, and I, I think I brought this up before we started recording, but like, their their game plan of being like okay i'm gonna go out for elite and then nobody can touch me if they can fucking shoot you during the trial they can still touch you if they you know what i mean like there's no way to avoid being a target and if you make yourself more important you're just gonna be a bigger target yeah it did definitely kind of bum me out where they kept doing that but then saying like oh they might be able to get you to the trial because there was a death in the trial like a decade ago so maybe it could happen again how did somebody die in this trial it seems pretty easy to just survive and give up i don't i don't know maybe they drowned in the someone used the um someone used the avada cadavera nice this is the harry potter episode for sure um yeah that definitely is what happened in the magic trial but Mm -hmm. to me it and again, it's kind of like what you were saying. There was no buildup. It was no. like, I'm going to do this. Okay. The and then I done did it. Literally, it was like, I, they heard Josh and Knight came to the idea to do it. And then the next chapter started and was like, it was surprisingly easy to sign up to the trials. And then we just went into it. And then the trials, it was like, I ran. I dodged some things. A spear came out of a bush. I swam. I swam underwater. I came up. I was cold, but cold can't get me. I made it through. I'm from the mountains where there's snow on the mountains where all we, the time. We use the cold to fight the other siders. Then I had to hand fight the armor, but I had already hand fought the armor for sure. So much better. And I don't need to win this fight. I just need to survive for 15 minutes. So I just did defense and totally, again, an elite, which we learned that she is the 15th elite an elite fighter against you. And you're like, I just pushed his momentum away over and over again. Cause I know Aikido made no sense to me. Then she does more of American Ninja Warrior, as you put it, basically obstacle course running, uh, get some live round shooting where she like uses the bodies of other elites in the circle as cover, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, was, I have a hard time visualizing that whole bit. Yep. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then she fights, faces off against Ace, and it's like, maybe he likes, maybe it'll be okay. And it's like, he has death in his eyes. That, I think, was, like, the only part where I kind of got, like, borderline eye-rolling. Because she's like, I know that he is, like, really mad. Before, I just, like, kind of thought he didn't like me, but now I know he's really mad. He really wants to kill me. Yeah. And it was kind of like, and she had set up this whole plan where her like little spell was like weaveling into his cradle, his shield. And then we didn't even see that come. Well, I guess it did come to fruition after the flash. She like attacked him and beat the shit Yeah, up. but lasers, Russell, lasers. Lasers go through shields. And they're like, oh, nobody checked us before lasers. we went on. Like if somebody had died in one of these trials, you'd think they why were, was there yeah, no security? I, also, like, why were they in a space where there could be somebody hiding? <laughs> that's the, the thing. Theater. They're in a giant stadium, and they're like, that guy was flashing a light. It's like it's like when you see the, uh, I mean, granted, there's 80,000 people in those soccer stadiums, but where you see the laser pointers on people, you know, the athletes, it's like that happened, but it was literally one guy on the upper deck going, oh, I'm going to flash a light. <laughs> also... And this is something that earlier I wanted to bring up, but it was out of spoilers. 
And now that we're here, I can. The hound that was like, I'm going to save you. I'm going to literally jump. I'm going to sacrifice my body. I'm sorry. For not this jump, not jump, but bamf. Bamf. Wait, no, it wasn't one of hers. But his could bamf too, because the hounds were outside of the circle. So it was one of his hounds that bamps basically is how they put it, where they would just, they could jump, teleport. They badass motherfucker right in. Yeah. Yes. That's so, to me what bamps means. Nice. That is much better than me just going bamf every time I read it. <laughs> but one of, one of his hounds bamped in front of her to take the laser shot because he had the connection with Ace to know what he was doing, I guess. So point of contention there these hounds which i think we determined earlier choose the hunter maybe they were like well fuck we chose wrong and ace is a douche and we don't like him anymore fine but like presumably his hounds have more connection responsibility whatever to him than to this literal stranger and to them for them to just be like no this is fundamentally wrong i'm going to save this person just felt too like duas machina to me so they she even brought that up afterwards she was like even if i wasn't saved and like the hounds apparently have the link to the mandalas because we see that yeah loses take the them power, off. uh to that after the the laser shot but she even says like even if i died her, his hounds would have had the honor to basically abandon him, to abandon him as part of the pack, and he would have lost his power anyway, which again leads to like, obviously he must have been manipulated because somebody like Ace, why would he give that up? That's literally everything he is. But it was one of those situations where her saying that after, you, it's the same, you're like, no, no, like Bia wouldn't do that, I don't think. Like, what are you saving? You're not saving anything. Now Ace is just going, I guess you're saving an honorable hunter. I don't know. It just... It seemed like a weird thing. And that just made me think of another question. If his hounds, after that whole exchange, took away their mandalas, they also took away his power, but he's still a mage? Like, is our do hounds, again, chicken or egg, do hounds equal power? Did they choose the hunter? And then like them choosing the hunter gives them the power and that's what pops. Do you, can you be a hunter and not have hounds? I have apparently all of a sudden a lot of questions (laughs) i have no idea and i have no idea i mean but it's it seems weird they're like okay we're taking away our power from you yoink but does that mean no more power but it was also interesting because they took their mark away from him yeah then the mandala also in a way because she talks about when they bite her hand yeah they put it on her back she like talks about how okay i need to like get that tattooed to cover up that mark basically to ink to incorporate to it permanent yeah so like because well, the carly's hounds too did that same thing right right so she was but she had the mandala before that so yeah i don't know but I, i'm pretty sure it did say that it burned off ace's hands no maybe it was just the mark marks. maybe yeah. it was what connects them to him because, so, I mean, I guess the army did take him away and is sort of, like, using him still as a mage. So, like, perhaps all of his power isn't gone. Again, like you've said a couple of times, this book is, like, it was 
written all three were written at once and this one is like not enough it's like a little appetizer and like appetizer appetizer and I don't want apps I want a real meal because I am a garbage person nice (laughs) that's great so we've just got a couple things left to quote unquote cover Uh, did you, what do you think of Joy's rise to elite? I mean, we've kind of touched on it a few times, but I just wanted to give us a chance to take a little bit more of a proverbial shit on it. So like too fast, too fast. She's been there for what? Not even a full year. Oh no. I think it's a month. Maybe two is what I put in my notes. Crap. That's fast. So she had, um, she had, she had like literally gone on her own she got out from mentorship for like two days because yeah. the second day Carly died, she had, and like, then she, she got yeah. a day off. That was when she decided to do the hunter thing and obviously it was super easy to do the elite thing so it happened i think this is just like one of the things that kind of annoys me about the character in that almost everything she does or tries to do fucking works which is like so unrealistic she's like okay so carly dies that was actually really terrible i felt really bad about that i really liked her i really liked her and then she I think is it by that like bamps in and is like Carly's hounds are still out there some of Carly's hounds are still out there and they're dying and you need to go save them and she just like she gets she get bamped in by Dasana her one yeah. of her other hounds her horse size hound and then some of her hounds are as big as the barn that you keep the horse in that was a really annoying description <laughs> so they go and she like saves the hounds and is basically like, I don't know if this is gonna work. And then of course it fucking does. Like, I just feel like she's the kind of character that nothing goes wrong for. I mean, she can cry all she wants about trying, I mean, losing her friend, that sucked. Carly was great, but like everything works out for you. And again, the fact that she already had nine hounds and nobody was like, holy fuck, you have a ton of hounds. Everybody else is like four and two, four. And then she makes a big uh, appearance to Gail Pierce there to show that she has Carly's two hounds. Now now I have 11. And then at the end, she gets Ace's two hounds. So now she's up to 13 and like legitimately that's, they're all like, nobody's ever even had 11. Everything's great for this girl. She's perfect. I mean, that's the thing. Like there's a limit to how special someone can be before I just get like annoyed that's not true my mommy says I'm the most specialist so yeah yeah though I mean that's that's the feeling I get and then she has no mommy to say you're special that's true Disney special both parents dead folks oh my god it is a Disney special but like she I mean and again and this is what we touched on the very beginning like I don't I, I want to be upfront. I don't dislike the character. I think she does really mean well. She is very talented. That's all well and good. It's all, it's just a painful amount of humble brag all the time and not necessarily recognize. I mean, maybe recognizing that like, oh, wow, this is really abnormal. Like nobody's had this many, but like, does anything bad happen to this character? Like actually bad happened to this character, not people surrounding her. Cause like that's, that for sure happened but like does anything bad happen to her yeah and she even like the, we never even touched on how her and knight uh when they kind of like are together but not with their hunting they stumble upon the wyvern or knight does and she goes to help him and she literally stumbles on a second wyvern 
and is able to kill them both, <laughs> which is, I thought was awesome, shoving a grenade down its mouth. That was pretty cool. Uh, that's like when in D&D, when your DM asks you how you want to do this, that's where you're like, I want to hold this thing just, mouth open. I just rolled a net 20 and I'm going to do all the crazy shit that I want to do. Blow the fuck out of its head. But then she kills the other one too. She like comes up with a strategy. And again, Knight is this guy who's been here for years and he's like, I'm just cowering. I don't know what to do. Thank God you're here. That was something that I I feel like was just disappointing about, I don't want to say about Knight's character because I think he was like overall very strong and obviously like pretty talented hunter, but to like make it so that like Joy pops in and is like cream of the crop, queen of being hunter, everybody wants her around because she just makes them look so much better. And like, granted, you know, where when her and Knight were working together that was kind of cool because he was like you know I don't usually have a partner because nobody likes me and like being able and and he's like a good dude trying to deal with like the spillover zone it's like pretty depressing and like I don't really know where I was going with that so much as to say that like he that was a disappointing aspect of him like you said he'd been around for in Apex City a lot longer than she had doing the hunter thing and having the like skill is maybe not right experience with that scenario and to have him just be like i bow to your expertise stranger that's been here for two minutes and she even says like i'm i I didn't tell him my plan because if i told him my plan he would say no when it comes to killing the wyvern that has him cornered which which kind of annoyed me as well yeah so there's something about night that I wanted to bring up that I don't think has a good moment. So I, and I wrote it down, but like, what was that swimming scene all about? That was the part that got me worried that he, that it was trying to become more than just a friendship. It's all sexual. Yeah. That's, that's what I was worried about. I'm hoping he maybe just, I don't know. I guess she never really talked about her swimming or anything like that before that. It felt really out of place. Yeah, way out of left field. I think it was to get her to the sauna. Maybe. Okay, so to overhear the... To overhear the politics, the the political struggles that are happening. uh, Yeah, I guess that's, that's something. It was just like a very strange bit It felt felt very out of place. And like you said, sort of like mixed messages or whatever of like, maybe the thing with Knight could go this direction or maybe it could go. And she was like, oh, maybe I'll choose a bikini instead of a one piece. And I chose a one piece. It just, again, the whole like demographic of the book became very evident in that moment. Yeah, definitely. That was a little bit, a little bit worrisome. Definitely. It was a WTF moment for me. Yeah. For sure. Another thing with uh, Knight, which is another moment where you really mean that, don't you? Is okay. how she helps his family relocate to, or at least gives them the option to relocate to the mountain because he tells her of his past and basically his family and his girlfriend live in this place where they mine the the these old coal mines or whatever for whatever they're taking out of it to help the cities and they either have the option to live on the poison ground which their water is poison their land is poisoned and they know they'll die sooner because it's on poison ground but it's safe because the other worlders won't go there or the other siders 
or they could live in a non-poison ground, but be hunted by the other siders. So they live on the poison ground. So Joy is like, hey, I know of this place because there's three different Christer villages near the monastery that I grew up that this one would definitely take you if you wanted to. And as much as we shit on it, I really did appreciate that. Again, it's her kind of just doing something for others and, and showing a different side of her that a trending uh, hunter definitely wouldn't do and definitely wouldn't care about. So I did feel like that was at least needed to be mentioned. And I think that, that that's super valid. And I appreciate that about her character, like in general, is that she like is a conscientious person. And that like, and I think he says something about this, like that some of the things she does are very like Christian in yeah. terms of like what he is raised to like his values, which like are not generally found probably in all the other hunters, AKAs. And like I, or his cronies, and I, I, part of me really appreciates that because like the, the genuineness of joy was something that I appreciated, but it also was just a little too, like made her completely different than everybody else. Yeah. Especially when she's not a single other person in all of Apex city that maybe her and her uncle are the only people that care about other people. Yeah, especially when she's told to blend in and not send people, not alert people to the monastery. And she even said that. <laughs> like, maybe I should send these strangers to the monastery, but I'm going to. She do does say I something do. about that, though, too, doesn't she? Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, was pretty funny. Good job, Joy. So, the last thing I wanted to bring up before we get to our last question and spoilers was this is the thing I thought about earlier when you were talking was they mentioned it numerous times how with the vids, they don't show when hunters are in trouble. They definitely don't show hunters deaths because they don't want people to remember that they're human and all that stuff. And they talk about how long it's been since an actual hunter died. I picture one of those zero days. It's like, like OSHA. Exactly. Defending the city. <laughs> we get two hunters deaths in like three days. And that doesn't, again, once again, there's no red flags sent out about that as we see Paul's and then uh, Carly die within a week of each other less than. That was another thing that just like, you can't, it, it kind of is like um, keeper of the night where it's like, you can't have this thing, this, this fundamental thing that you point out to us and then immediately contradict it later in your book. Yeah. That yeah. just frustrated well, me. I wanted to bring it up. So like the immediate contradiction, I totally feel you, but also like on piggybacking on that is like, the multiple times they've mentioned, I think Knight specifically, and then obviously like Josh and they were discussing it when they were powwowing about the plan, but like the influx of other ciders and how like there's this huge uptick in incidents and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, how do you keep that quiet to the point where like other hunters I think they said something like in the mess hall or something and they were like oh my god I didn't even realize you asked your purse gob I didn't even think to do that I didn't I didn't even know that you could do that on there crazy oh my god <laughs> so the last question I had that fills right into this conversation is and I only put this in there so I could land a joke uh what or do you have any thoughts or ideas on what happens in the next books well, so in the next one, she's uh, an elite and she just like probably kills a whole bunch of really high ranking other siders 
and possibly even deals with some of the folk mages. I don't know. I feel like that has to come back. And then in Apex, she is an Apex predator, hunter, whatever. And she's like, whatever is beyond elite, which we didn't even hear about, but there is something and it's called Apex. And she's going to be like the only one. And she's going to like be going against that folk mage guy that she met in the train trip. And it's going to be like a battle royale between him and her. And then it's going to turn out that like, actually folk mages aren't terrible. And why don't we work together? I have no fucking clue, Russell. About the right, I'm about right there with you. So an elite, uh, she's going to kill all the other elite hunters and take their hounds. So now she has 110 <laughs> hounds. No, they'll they won't, she won't kill them because that's not who Joy is. They will die, die, and then the hounds will decide to take the them. hounds will join her. She'll have uh, teeth marks all, all the way up her hounds. arm for her 110 hounds. Full and body tattoos. As you were saying, she'll be Apex in the next one. She'll be the Apex Predator who is turned by the oh. folk mage and decides that the earth was better off before humans were on it. We need to repopulate this with the other ciders. And she learns that the hounds are actually bad guys too. And that's and also, why they're so drawn to her. Also, she finds out who was trying to kill her and she kills not only that person or group of people but literally everyone yep she goes pyrus kills everyone yeah absolutely so folks obviously if you've read all three books you know that we're right we don't even have to really dwell on this anymore so on that we are going to move out of spoilers bye that's Bye. With that, we are going to close out the book with our grading system. This is your first time along. Our grading system is based on D&D based a D20 scale. One is bad, 20 is good. And then we add or subtract points to the book based on a ability or skill mod based in the game D&D. So I will go first this time because Taj went first last time. I'm going to give this book a 10. And I said it kind of at the beginning, I believe, where it's like, I think this is middle of the road book. And by that, I mean, it is a story. And by that, I mean, what we touched on a couple of times. If this wasn't for a podcast, I wouldn't have picked it apart. I wouldn't have delved deeper into it. I would have been like, I didn't, I didn't struggle with it. I was behind in my reading. Um, so I had to read it. Gosh. And it wasn't a struggle. I, I did enjoy parts of it. There were parts that I wanted to know more about. I really liked the lore of it. I really wanted to, again, the fact that the setting was a dystopian high fantasy that happened in the United States, I thought was super cool. So there was a lot I liked about it, but it just didn't get deep enough to where it didn't answer enough questions, didn't hook me in to where I'm going to like hunt these books down. But again, if I, I will pay attention to Lackey as an author, if I see them in the used bookstore uh for for other things so for me it's a 10 on the roll i'm gonna give it a plus one for animal handling because i really enjoyed the hounds and how they work together as a pack and that was probably my favorite part about this book other than the setting is that kind of different feel with the hounds and how they were our allies and i still think there's more questions there that haven't been answered so for me it's a 10 on the roll plus one for animal handling for an 11 a story that I would say, sure, read if you want to. If you're trying to read 100 books this year, that could be one of them. Easy enough. If you're going to read 10 books this year, I wouldn't tell you to read it. Skip it. Yeah. 
Okay, so I'm also going to give it a 10 for a straight roll um, because I agree it's sort of middle of the road. Like I certainly did not have any kind of like physical reactions while reading like eye rolling or heavy sighing, which I have had on other books and I did not have on this. It was a fun read. It was fun. And to your point too, I absolutely enjoyed the concept of the whole dystopian America with magic and bad guys from lore and all sorts it was basically like a no holds barred like whatever she felt like including she included and I kind of am here for that so I'm going to give it a plus three for Arcana because there were so many different types there was the hound's magic there was her own like mana magic there was which felt very video game to me um and then there was all of the like lore stuff vampires and wyverns and cobalts and like all sorts of anything and so it just felt like very very magic heavy which i thought was fun so that's a 13 because it's friday the 13th and 13 is my lucky number holy shit i didn't even know it was friday the 13th ah man we're screwed now oh wonderful good play good yeah. play uh so again one last time the book is hunter by mercedes lackey got a 11 and a 13 uh is cool cover it's got cool artwork in it uh and she has written a lot so she definitely knows that's not a dragon either i know that was actually the saddest part yeah yeah that it happened so quickly and then it tells us on the back that it's a dragon yeah is what it is so with that we are moving away from the book and we are starting our segments with our current selection. Taja, what have you been reading lately? I, as I mentioned before, am listening to the last book in the Expand series. What number is that? Nine. Jesus, okay. They're very long books too. So good to listen to though, like Chef's Kiss. They're brilliant as audiobooks. I uh, finished Water Dancer. It was amazing. Beautifully written, just like lovely book. And now I'm reading one that Nern lent me, Clara and the Sun. Which like, I am going to do a really poor job explaining. I'm only like a third of the way through. And it's, it's very like poignant. It's very interesting because it's sort of like from the perspective of like an artificial intelligence type being um, who's like very observant. And so like watching interactions, like my whole college thing was like nonverbal communication and all that stuff is like very interesting to me so this is very fun and it's yeah so far I'm really liking it and I have a couple on deck that I'm pretty excited about a lot of which are like our to be read podcast future episodes books. yeah future episodes but um I did pick up when I was with Nern in Rutland I picked up a couple of Harlan Colbins at a used bookstore that I probably will take on because those are nice as we've talked about before sort of palette cleansers <laughs> like yeah. easy to read and I think I'll probably look back at my to be read shelf because it's too deep and I think I've been neglecting the backside of that too deep and I just need to like fresh eyes fresh eyes for that one yeah so. sometimes you got to do that yeah. especially as you keep adding more and more to it as we I mean I keep yeah I, yeah I'm adding all the time and it's painful because then it just like grows and grows and grows and feels like it never shrinks hey that's okay though you always got something on deck that's what it means always uh for me I finished in a dark dark wood which I touched on last time that I just started it by Ruth Ware this really gave me the hunting party vibes except better mm-hmm. Mm. So that kind of suspense of a weekend away that turns deadly Ooh. and uh, nobody really knows. Better, like happened. less predictable. Yes. And it does keep you guessing where you're like, 
okay, I know who it is. Well, wait, do I? <sighs> okay. Wait, no, I know who it is. Wait, do I? So <laughs> there's, there's some interesting stuff there. It deals with some uh, memory loss and things like that. So our protagonist or our narrator is also trying to put it together, which yeah. adds to the questions where you're like, wait, are we, I don't know. So I enjoyed that. Uh, I also read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Uh, this was a book we would have covered, but Taja had listened to it, I believe, last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this was the one that I saw in Goodreads end of year where everybody's like, you have to read it. You have to read it. You have to read it. It's fun, right? It was. I will say that I knew where it was going to end. Yeah. But it didn't take away from it. And I appreciate the message in it, which was definitely mm. strong, which was like, dude, the, the life that you think you missed, maybe not be as good. Rest isn't always exactly as good as you thought it is. And the one that you're leaving maybe has more to it than, than, you know. So that was super cool. I also palate cleansed with, um, stay close by Harlan Coben, which mm-hmm. was interesting. Cause I had watched the Netflix show on it beforehand and it was pretty much lined up with the show. Oh, wow. So I did say in my Goodreads Twitter that I got everything right. Nice. They did change yeah. a couple of things, but like the major points were there. But if you watch the show, you definitely would have got all the book. If you read the book before the show, the show may have surprised you in a couple of different ways with how they twisted and tweaked some stuff. Uh, the last one I want to touch on was Dance uh, on the Water by Laura Lynn Leffers. This is actually a book by my cousin that we touched on when we were talking about genealogy. And I said that I had found it and I wanted to read it. It was interesting. It was actually her third book, but it was her first one that was published. It was published back in 95. And it was just something that I found on my bookshelf when I was cleaning it uh, a few months ago. I got and really excited about it. And then reading your Goodreads sweater, I was like, hmm. It, her, it was interesting. I'm going to still give it to you if you don't want to read it. You don't have oh, to. Oh, I want to I want to read it. There that. was some, her like interactions were a little bit like, this was happening. You're like, okay, I'm getting into it. And I was like, okay, bye. He was like, Wait, oh, what just happened? I <laughs> have too much of that in. with a coworker that I don't know that I can handle that. It wasn't as bad as Gork, but it was kind of like it felt like we could have gone deeper there and we didn't. Okay. Um, so it was interesting. And I, I thought she like touched on the Native American mysticism, but like didn't get as into it as oh. she could have. But super cool, what I didn't realize was the copy I have was the copy that she gave to my great grandmother, but her grandmother. Oh, that's um funny that she uh, dedicated it to her because this was part of our genealogy project that I touched on was some of the stories she learned from our genealogy project. She had put in here as like anecdotes for the Indians as this, basically the story is this woman is given the opportunity to assume her grandfather's land who was a native American and she is part native American, obviously, but she has to complete a family genealogy. So she talks about how she learns about their story and learns about their family story. And apparently some of the stuff she put in there was from our family history. So that was cool. And it was definitely murky water as I was reading it because I just pictured her as the protagonist when it definitely (laughs) is her, you know? And because I have that relationship and I've obviously never experienced a book that way. Uh, Yeah. It made it a a different situation for reading it. So while I- I know which anecdotes were more your family she mentions it in the beginning um, okay. like a couple of different specific things and I don't know okay. if there's more in there or not I actually I was cleaning or I was grabbing something out of the closet and that's where the tote is of our genealogy that I kept <laughs> from my grandmother when <laughs> I cleaned out her house that. and I was like maybe I should go through that and then I was like that still seems like a lot of things going on right now yeah <laughs> so 
but no, I, I appreciate it. I don't know if other people would. It seems weird that that was a published book because I look at it and I'm like, I don't know. Like if it was anybody else, I probably would have been like, eh, it was definitely five or six. But because it's my cousin, it was probably a, a 18 or double digits. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, but again, super cool. Somebody I know published a book, somebody I'm related That's to. Very so cool. I enjoyed that. Uh, moving away from current selection, we have random recommendation, which Taja is going to handle this time. Taja, what do you got for us? I've got Cocaine Blues by Carrie Greenwood, which is a Franny Fisher mystery. So it is the show that I talked about. I think I talked about it last time. Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. As you can see, it's very tiny. It's only like 175 pages, but these are the books that the show is based off of. And Franny Fisher is an amazing character. Um, she's basically like a, a lady sleuth, a lady detective in 20s, 1920s Australia. And I mean, I mean, this is going to sound rough. Like I kind of like the show better than I like the book. I have only read this one book and there are many books. It's like a you don't have to read it chronologically or anything. It's sort of like Harlan Coben where like the universe exists and the characters exist, but like the stories are each their own thing, like a serial, what do I call it? But it's really fun. And I just like really love a good, strong female lead character. And I didn't know that about you. Yeah, shocking, I know. And yeah, she's just great. She's very like progressive and badass and good stuff. And assuming that you like the show almost more than the book, I assume they portray her equally or, or even better on the show than they do in the book. Yeah, so like the casting is really great in the show, something that's I think a little bit different. And like I said, I've only read this one book, but a lot of the episodes of the show are based off of the books. Um, so like storyline wise, but in the show, there's more of like a romance aspect between her and, and Detective Robinson, which is like what I brought up in the last episode. Yeah. Um, than there is in the books like there's a little bit of a hinting at it but it's like heavy in the show and it's perfect and I shit the fuck out of it but like it's it's just very well done I think because the author of these books is very involved in the show as well or was I mean it's not really even a thing anymore they did we did crowdfund we I was part of it crowdfunded a movie though after the show ended which is just like really great and very harkens back to like the whole Farscape thing when like that got canceled and all the fans were like no and then we made a thing we didn't make it but we helped pay for it (laughs) so yeah it's both are fun the books there are probably a lot of books I don't know how many but they're also like I said it's a very it's like 175 pages so it's a pretty easy read and just like if you like period pieces and murder mysteries perfect and what was it? One more time. Period pieces and murder mysteries. Perfect. <laughs> no, I meant the first sound. sound. What was the title of the book? Oh. <laughs> Cocaine Blues by Carrie Greenwood. There it is. We've lost the same pageness as the show has gone on for sure. Which means it's a great time to wrap it up because the alcohol is hitting, folks. Yeah, rose so. all day rosé all day so we are closing out by letting you know what's on the next episode this is one we wanted to touch on for a while it is a book one that uh we mentioned in the last episode because taja mentioned it was on her to be listened to yes so i don't have a physical book to show you right now and before we get to it this is a note podcast note so two weeks will be our camping trip so we are not (sighs) going to stop our camping trip to podcast for you folks we apologize so it will be three weeks before 
our next episode. And if you listen to this babble for this long, you deserve the right to know that. So we will see you in three weeks when we bring you guys Razor Blade Tears by S.A. Cosby. This is a book that was all over everyone's pages last year. Uh, It has definitely gotten a lot of acclaim and hype. So if you haven't heard a bit about it, the little tag to get you to read it if you want in the next three weeks, a black father, a white father, two dead sons, a quest for revenge and redemption. So very exciting. This is an author who has been praised a lot for his other works. And also this one has as well, because it was literally everywhere on the internet last year. So we look forward to bringing that to you in three weeks. But for now, we're a little bit tipsy. So this has been the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. Keep reading.